0: Who do you say Jesus is? If you would turn with me in John chapter 1, I want to take a look at a, a situation or a, 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 a um, interaction that took place between Philip and Nathaniel. We already started talking about that as we set this uh, service up this morning before prayer. Uh, but there's this, there's this uh, interaction that takes place between uh, Philip and Nathaniel. And if, if you would, please grab a Bible in front of you in the back of the pew if you didn't bring one. Uh, and turn with me to first, or turn with me to John chapter one, verses forty-three through fifty-one. I'm going to read through from the ESV. It'll be very similar to the NIV, uh, which is the ones in the back of the pew. Maybe, maybe that's the one you brought with you. Uh, but just follow along and look at this uh, particular interaction. Uh, about uh, Philip uh, 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 trying to introduce Nathaniel or bring Nathaniel along to to meet Jesus. In verse 43 it says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love this whole interaction, especially as we're talking about introducing this this bearded, this humble bearded man by the name of Jesus. I love this interaction because it's truth be known, it's a lot of like our interactions. Uh, some of the interactions that we may have, maybe some of us are sitting in here this morning and we resonate with Philip, and maybe some of us are sitting here this morning and we really resonate with Nathaniel. But when we look at this whole passage, we see um, we see Jesus calling, you know, starting to call his first disciples, and he calls and Philip. Goes. Philip says, Jesus says, follow me. Philip follows. And then Philip goes and he, he goes to Nathaniel, one of his friends, and he says, "Nathaniel, we found the one. We found the one that the Scriptures talk about. We found the one that the Scriptures prophesy about. We found the Messiah. We found the teacher. And he said, you know, so they have this exchange and he says he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, Nazareth? What good could ever come out of Nazareth? And so this whole uh, this whole uh, interchange takes place, and I love I love Philip's answer. Philip's answer doesn't go into this thing where it says, "Well, let's crack open the scriptures, let's get the scrolls out, let me sit and impart my wisdom on you. Why don't you sit at my feet for a second and let me share with you how this is the Jesus?" Philip simply says, "What? Come and see. I love that. Come and see. Come and see." And isn't that what we're called to be, as witnesses? For some of us, we'll say we use you know that big word evangelizing, that big word. Well, I can never have that conversation. I can never evangelize my coworker. I can never evangelize you know my friends at school. I can never evangelize my neighbor. I just can't do that because what happens if they start asking me questions? I don't understand. Philip didn't go that direction. Philip said, "Come and see." I love it. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about life transformation. I may not be able to sit and answer every single one of your questions, but the one thing I can say is this. Jesus has changed my life, and he's changing others' lives. Because, guys, that's where the proof of the pudding is at. Life transformation. It's kind of hard to witness about Jesus when your life maybe haven't, hasn't been transformed You know, And and let's be truthful, maybe that's some of the reasons why some of the fear that we have about sharing the gospel with someone, about sharing Jesus with someone, is because when someone looks at our life, it really doesn't look that much different. It doesn't look like things have been changed that much. But then there's some individuals where their lives have been radically changed by Jesus Christ. Things have been radically shifted in their lives because of what Jesus has done. And that's where you can step back and say, come and see. Come and see, because Jesus has radically changed my life. Now, Nathaniel, you know, and this this is where uh, when we look at this, um, I have some questions. CJ and I were talking this week, preparing for this message, and and we got to looking at it, and it's like, and as we got to look at it, it's like we had some questions, and so here this morning I want to engage in a few of these questions. We may not be able to answer them uh, to the T, but but just some things that come up in my mind when we started engaging with this passage of scripture. Number one. What did Philip see? What was it about Philip? What did Philip see where, when Jesus said, Follow me, that Philip just said, Boom, I'm done. I got it. I'm coming. I'm following. How did he, what did he see to say, You know what? I'm I'm going after this. I'm going after it hard. What did he see to be able to really, in his, probably in his mind, say, We found this guy that's what he talks about. You know, this is the one Moses talked about. You know, you know, in the law and all these other things. You know, what was it that Philip saw? You know, Philip saw something. Philip saw something in Jesus where he just said, I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to go after it. I'm willing to just just dedicate my life to this. And And I think where it gets lost in translation or context for a lot of us is in the 21st century, we don't have this whole rabbi-student-teacher thing going on, right? And so in those days, for someone... For someone to follow someone and call them rabbi, call them teacher, they literally invested their lives uh, into the teacher and the teacher into them. And so for them to follow someone and say, this is my rabbi, this is my teacher, it it was like a big thing. They were committing their life to it. They were saying, this guy, and we've talked about this before, but they're saying, this individual knows. This individual knows what he's talking about. This individual knows the teachings. This individual knows the the, uh, the scriptures to the degree that they had them. This individual knows, and I'm willing to follow that person. I'm willing to leave behind and follow that person. It was a huge commitment. It was a huge thing. And when someone committed to that, it was a statement that said, this person's got the truth. This person has an inside. And this person, I want them to teach me. And so for Philip, it was like he saw something, and it's like, I'm following him. I'm following Jesus. Now, Nathaniel on the other side struggled a little bit, right? At first, he has this initial, initial thing, and he says, Nazareth, what can possibly come out of Nazareth? And what that really communicated on Nathaniel, from Nathaniel's perspective is, Nathaniel had some hang-ups, man. He had some prejudices. Because when you study about Nazareth, you can go ahead and flip to the next slide, it says what kept Nathaniel from seeing. Nathaniel had some prejudices. And when you really look at this, and if you study about the whole town of Nazareth, Nazareth in that time was considered a town like the boondocks, the rednecks, the trailer trash, or whatever, whatever stereotype you want to give it. I'm not going to go in and talk about different towns around here, because some of us may be from some of those towns. And I'm not going to talk about a place that houses the Buckeyes, because that's not, that wouldn't be right, okay? It wouldn't be considered, you know, we're not prejudiced against them, right? Okay. Anyhow... I get it. I know. But here's my point. Here's my point. Nathaniel had some prejudices. You have prejudices. It's easy for us to have prejudices. The other thing that Nathaniel had was expectations, right? And when he looked at this and he says, Well, where's Jesus from? Where's the Messiah from? Where's this person from, the Savior, the one that's going to liberate us? Where is this person from? Well, he's from Nazareth. Well, no way. Could the person be from Nazareth? There's no way. My expectations doesn't allow that truth to be real. My perceptions doesn't allow that to come in to say, well, this can't be the Jesus because that's not right. He's not a redneck. He's not whatever whatever prejudice they would have against. No one's ever come out of Nazareth. No one. Everybody looked at Nazareth like some kind of like scum of the earth. Not quite, probably quite like Samaria, but it was a town that was like nothing could come good out of that town. And it gets me thinking. What kept him from seeing besides, you know, his expectations and his, and his prejudices? The other thing I think about, too, is when you start thinking about expectations and prejudices and things like that, I think, I think we often, I want you to follow along, I think for some of us, we have our expectations set out there, our perceptions, our theology maybe, and if it doesn't meet, when, when Jesus starts moving within our lives or when Jesus starts to call us in deeper or when Jesus really wants to share with us a, and, and for us as we come in here on a, on a weekend basis and Jesus wants us to truly encounter Him, for some of us, we have, we have certain perceptions, we have certain um, expectations and things like that and we see Jesus based upon those. Does that make sense? Meaning that we never get deeper with Jesus because we're only seeing what our expectations will allow us to see. You want an example? Awesome. I've got an example. You remember the story in the Bible where Jesus goes to Nazareth? And there's that disturbing, there's that disturbing thought where it says Jesus could not perform miracles there. And, and when you read that, you're like, wait a minute. He's God. How could man limit the power of God? Right? And didn't that have to do with their unfaith? Their disbelief? Jesus couldn't perform in that town, you know, and that's where you get the whole concept, you know, the honor, you know, the prophet has no honor in his hometown. Jesus could not perform miracles there because of their unbelief. They limited. They were getting what they got. They were getting what the Jesus that they had, right? This man can't perform miracles, so it didn't happen. I don't think they limited God. I think they were getting their expectations. I think they were getting their preferences met. I think they were getting everything that they had concocted in their minds. So there's no way that this Jesus can ever do this. And that's exactly what happened. And for some of us sitting in here this morning, we have perceptions, we have boxes, we have expectations. And for some of us, unfortunately, and I hope this isn't the case, we kind of fall in that same category as Nathaniel where we truly don't encounter Jesus at the depths that He wants us to encounter Him because we don't want to and our expectations and our paradigms and our thinking won't let us. It doesn't limit the power of God. You're really just robbing yourself. Nathaniel couldn't see because of some of the things that he had, that he had blocking it. And he was able probably to see, I think, see Jesus as much as he could through those barriers. And he couldn't see him. And then something really exciting happens when you read this passage of Scripture. Because Jesus comes and he addresses Nathaniel, and a, and a switch is flipped. I mean, you go from this, what, whatever could come out of Nazareth. Whatever, what good could ever come out of there to, to saying, wow, this is the rabbi. I mean, what switch flipped? How do you just flip a switch? And what took place was, when we, when we read this encounter, we read Jesus coming to him and saying, "Nathaniel," you know, and he addresses him, and, and Nathaniel says, wait a minute, how do you know me? And he said, what does he say? Jesus says, I knew you before Philip even came. When you were sitting under a tree, I knew you, I saw you and somehow that was enough where for for nathaniel the switch flipped and it's like wow you're you're the rabbi and i love jesus's comment that's all it takes for you to believe hey nathaniel you might want to strap it on because your socks are going to get knocked off i love that and i think that goes back to what philip was saying come and see come and see you want to see something take place. You want to see life transformation. You want to see some things really happen. You want to see some things that's going to overwhelm you. You want to see some things that's going to, that's going to make you step back and just kind of give you the awesomeness and the aweness of God. Come and see. I can't sit here and explain it all to you. I can't sit here and coax you into it. I can't sit here and make you believe. But the one thing I can do is invite you in to say, come and see. And then when we talk about that. You know, Jesus says, you're going to see some things, Nathaniel. You think that's awesome. You're going to see some things. And one of the questions I had was, what else did he see? After this encounter with Jesus, I wonder what else he saw. I wonder what else he was privy to as a disciple. I wonder if he was there, and these aren't going to be in order, but I wonder if he was there on the multiple times that Jesus took a couple very small lunches and fed thousands of people. Thousands of people. I wonder if he was privy to that. I wonder if he was privy when that time when they were in this house and as they're in this house these these guys have a friend that's crippled and he's sick. And, and they want to get him before Jesus, and they believe that if they could just get him before Jesus, that the Jesus would heal him. And he would be able to. He would be able to be whole again. And so they come, and the house is literally packed because everybody's listening to Jesus' teaching. And as they come to this house, they can't get in. But instead, what they do is they literally cut a hole through this guy's ceiling. I love that. And they lower this guy in. And I wonder if Nathaniel was there when Jesus said, "Get up. You can walk." Get up. You're whole. You're healed. Get up. And oh, by the way, if if that's not enough, your sins are forgiven. I wonder if Philip was part of that, or if Nathaniel was part of that. If that's one of those other things that he saw, where he said, come and see. And Jesus said, you're going to see some greater things. I wonder if he was there when Jesus turned the water into wine. I wonder if he was there when Mary came up and said, Jesus, we've ran out of wine. Here's some water. And Jesus says, you know what? It's not my time, woman. And then she looks to the other people and just says, do what he says. I love it. And Jesus takes the water and he turns it into wine. It was his first miracle and people were, people were in awe of it. I wonder if Nathaniel was there and he saw that. I wonder if Nathaniel was part of that whole situation or that whole event when the blind guy, this blind kid came to Jesus. He must have been around 18. He was an adult at that point in time or probably been earlier than that. Their adulthood um, started earlier than that. But, but you remember that whole remember the whole interaction where this blind kid comes to Jesus and Jesus spits in the ground and he makes some mud and he puts it in the guy's eyes and then he cleans it off and he can see again? And remember the church, the institution at that time, the institutionalism at that time? They brought this kid in. They're like, how can this be? How could this ever happen? And they begin to grill this kid. How is this happening? Who did this? How can you see again? And I, the funny part is where they start questioning the parents Was he was he born blind at birth? Because in their philosophy, in their expectations, in their grid, in their perceptions, if someone experienced this, it was a punishment of sin. And Jesus said it's because God's going to bring glory to Himself. That's why He was born this way. And Jesus gives him sight. And they bring the kid in, and the kids they start grilling this kid with questions. Kid says this. I love this. This is one of my favorite stories in the scripture where the kid says, I can't answer all of your questions. But the one thing I can tell you I was blind and now I can see. Come and see. Come and see what this Jesus can do. Come and see what this humble bearded man can do. I wonder if Nathaniel was a part of that. I wonder if Nathaniel, after he saw some of these things, where he saw the centurion's son being healed when the centurion was miles away, but because of his faith, this guy's son was healed. I wonder if he saw Peter's mother being healed. I wonder if he saw all these interactions where Jesus healed, where Jesus demonstrated himself and did all these miracles. I wondered if he saw. Here's a couple other ones that I absolutely love. I wonder if Nathanael was there when Jesus was brought to him, a woman that was accused of adultery, and they were getting ready to stone her. And Jesus does some stuff in the sand or whatever, and he's they're waiting for him for an answer and he says, the first one without sin or the the one without sin cast the first stone. And Jesus heaps dignity and worth, and value, and grace on this individual that probably didn't deserve it whatsoever. I wonder if Nathaniel was there to see that, and then Jesus, Jesus to say, go and sin no more. I wonder if Nathaniel was part, and in the house where the prostitute came before Jesus, and she poured perfume on his feet, and she cried, and she dried his feet with her hair, I wonder if Nathanael was, was able to see that and witness that. Or if someone's life had been radically transformed by the love and grace and dignity and value of Jesus Christ. I wonder if he was able to see that. I wonder if those were the things that Jesus was saying, hey Nathanael if you think this was spectacular you just wait. You just wait. Because when I show up lives are changed. Bondage Chains of bondage are broken. People that are suffering with sicknesses are healed. People that are blind can see. Sins are forgiven. I've come to liberate. Just because I saw you under the tree, you believe, you just wait. And I wonder if he was able to see all of those things a little bit later on. And I wonder, in my mind, I wonder if Nathaniel often thought back, man, this cat from Nazareth. This cat is from Nazareth. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. The worship team has a song that they're going to sing. And I want, you to, um, I want you to really just lean into the words of this song. Because it talks about Jesus being the answer. To all those things, to all the stuff that we have in our lives, to all the brokenness that we have within our lives... And if we were truly able to see, and and for me that is the the desire of my heart as we come into a, an encounter service like this, that it's like we truly see Jesus. We see our brokenness, and yet we see Jesus, and we see this person that so wants to just that, that's chasing after us, and so wants to pour His love out on us. And, and, and that question is, we we we're, we we truly see Jesus, and we see that He's the answer and that we can stop playing the game. We can stop playing and realize that you know what? I've got things in my life that needs to be changed and this guy is the answer. This humble bearded man is the one that's making me sing. This humble bearded man is the one that is in sight and invoking songs from my heart, from the recesses of my heart. It's making me sing because I'm seeing I see him and he's the answer. Check out these words as they lead us or lead uh, in this song. God, throughout the New Testament, we read about how Jesus brought incredible life change and transformation to people. Now, can I get even more excited? It doesn't stop there, but it's happening in the life of Element, too. You may ask, well, why do you bring certain people on stage to air out their dirty laundry? Well, it's to share stories where it says... I came and I saw, and Jesus literally transformed my life. It's not airing out dirty laundry. It's saying, Jesus has changed my life. We have people within our body that we've shared, that we've had up here, like Pat and Melissa, who's had brokenness within their marriage. Instead of throwing in the towel, instead of saying, you know what, this isn't, you know, I, this is too hard, it's too difficult, instead of doing that, they said, we're going to come and see. We're going to come and see what Jesus can do. Because if it's left up to us, it's not going to happen. And so we celebrated stories like that where you see that brokenness, but you see God's healing just poured out all over it. And marriage being so radically changed. And being back to the way, being even better than the way it was. Because they allowed God to show up in their marriage. I think of Heather Spiegel. We had a video of her where Heather uh, is—you is, know—Blissfield's her home, where she got caught up, went out in the Vegas, got caught up in the drugs and prostitution, all kinds of other things. Just totally trashing her life, and then Jesus there all along pursuing her, chasing her. And at one time, she sees that Jesus is there with his arms wide open, saying, "Come back! I'm the answer." I'm the answer. And now she sits up here in whatever service she is. When she sings, her arms are always up. No wonder they're always up. Jesus radically transformed her life. She saw Jesus. (laughs) I think of people like Victoria. Individuals that's going through. Victoria's from our Adrian campus. People who have been through our our wounded class and uh, group where where, um, primarily it's been women and now some men have gone through it as well. But people getting in touch with their darkness, their brokenness, and allowing Jesus to free them of the bondage where deception is broken, where they look to the Word of God and they realize that Jesus is the answer and Jesus is literally transforming their lives. I think of an individual like Victoria. She was here a couple months ago and sharing her story where in her life she was molested by one of her family members as a young child. And you remember the whole story where she shared that for 40 years she walked around with her, with her hands clenched in the fists like she had handfuls of rocks Because she had such anger, which who wouldn't have the anger? But instead of continuing to live her life like that, she saw Jesus. And Jesus was able to open up her hands and to receive grace, value, love, dignity, forgiveness. To the point to where she was able to look at her offender and offer forgiveness. How does that happen? Except for Jesus coming into her life and radically changing her. So funny, not funny, but just brings a smile to your face. I was talking to CJ not too long ago and she, Victoria was sharing that she had a dream. And she's one of these individuals now that when she comes to a worship service, an encounter service, she's anticipating meeting God. And she was sharing, she, so she lives in this sense of anticipation. She was sharing that she had a dream. And she works at Adrian College and she had this dream not too long ago and it was about a student. And she really didn't know who the student was, but this student was really suffering from some, from some battles with Satan and some, some bondage and things like that. Well, she began to pray and, and she came into uh, a, an interaction with a student one day and she's thinking the Holy Spirit's leading her and saying, this is the one. And so she, she reaches out to this person she's never even really met and she says, I need to talk to you and this is going to sound crazy. But how are you? How are you doing? Well, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. Really? How are you doing? And this student broke down because there was junk and garbage and bondage within her life. And Victoria was able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with her to say, Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. I think about people like Cliff Marr, who you know you haven't had the opportunity yet. He attends our Bliss or our Adrian campus, and he was baptized. Um, about a year or so ago and he was sharing with his life story and how at one point he got caught up in the, you know, he would, was rebuilding hot rods and stuff like that, eventually got over into Harleys and things like that and he always had to have the biggest and the baddest and the fastest. He's the one that had to, had to have the trophies. He's the one that had to turn the eyes of everybody and that's where he got his self-worth. That's where he got his, his identity from. And Jesus got a hold of his life to say, Cliff, you're one of my children, you're living a lie. Your identity is not in a motorcycle. It's not in hot rods. It's not these other things. It's in me. And Cliff's life has been turned upside down. And now he's able to look to other people and say, come and see. Come and see. And on and on we have stories like this. We have another family from the Adrian campus who never attended church. Never attended church. The kaufmans they never attended church. And, and through the FCA baseball with Josh Erd and CJ and a couple of these other guys who are living missionally out, using baseball as a way to connect with people, taking something that's a passion, taking something that's a desire, and giving purpose behind it, they've been able to reach this family. And, and, and Rod and Holly Kaufman, just an incredible couple. And I remember I was sitting there talking with her during an e-group class about, a, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And we're talking, and, and I had known her, but I didn't really know a lot about her. And we got to talking, and she says, yeah, man, we've only been coming for about a year. She said, we got involved in FCA baseball, and never church, not in church whatsoever. And, and, and within a year, they were saved, Baptized. Now they're part of the Adrian campus, just serving there, just so happy, ecstatic to be a part of it. And, 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 and she said, she, they talked about that Josh would call them up. Josh Erd, you've met him probably from the Adrian campus, but part of the FCA, would call them up every single Sunday. Hey, church services start at 10. <laughs> and Rod talks about that. I would get a blessed phone call or a text every stinking Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock saying when church started. But then you had some guys that says, come and see, come and see. And they came and they saw. And Jesus is radically changing them and their family. We have stories like that. A story, we have a lot of stories like that of individuals where lives are totally being changed and transformed um, uh, with individuals. Another one, and I don't want to embarrass Chad. <laughs> i'll ask you for permission later okay chad's been part of our honduras mission group probably for what 15 16 years he's been he's been going from the very start for the past six years i've been able to get to know chad and chad wasn't a bad guy but the past couple years chad's been driven into the word of god and each year chad i have conversations with chad and he starts sharing things from the word of god and i'm like who are you where did you come from but Chad's life has been changed. Why? Because he saw, he came and he saw and Jesus has been radically transforming his life and his family. It's amazing. It's like last week. It's amazing when we really just kind of interact with the scripture, the word of God the way it says to, the way it says to. Lives are being changed. Some of us don't see that because we don't think anything good can come out of Nazareth. Some of you are sitting here this morning, you're like, Philip, you're excited, you're rejoicing because your life has been radically transformed and changed. And all you're saying to some people is just, hey, come and see. I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that's not my job. I'm not going to try to own this. I'm not going to try to control it. Just come and see. Come and see what God has done in a marriage. Come and see what God has done in an individual's life that's just strayed all over the board. Come and see where someone's been sexually molested and how God has just brought forgiveness and grace and dignity and value into someone's life. How do you manufacture that? Come and see. Some of you are sitting in this morning. That is your. Some of you are sitting here like Nathaniel. You just you can't see past it. You've got your expectations. You've got your traditions. You've got your perceptions. And you're seeing Jesus through those and you're very limited. Maybe today's the day you truly see. Let me introduce you to this humble bearded man that's going to invoke song from the recesses of your heart. I don't know where you are. I just pray that you would just respond to the Spirit of God this morning. That you would allow Him to connect with yours. I believe the Spirit of God is here. I know that He's here. I know that He's trying to minister within our lives. I know He's trying to take some every single person in here. I know He's trying to take us deeper in our relationship with Him. This intimate relationship, personal relationship that we have with Him. Some of us are like Philip and we're going and we're going after it and we're following. Some of us are like Nathaniel and we're struggling with that. We want to control it. We want to own it. Would you just let down the guard, take a deep breath and just let it out? And just say, you know what? What do you want to show me, Jesus? What do you want to show me? I don't know where you're at this morning, but I would love to pray with you if you're struggling in here. If you truly need to see Jesus, I I would love to pray with you. If you wanted to come forward and just pray, I'd love to pray. We're not trying to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If you want to pray afterwards, talk about whatever, we'd love to do that. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. That's the only reason I'm here. That's to bring Jesus glory. I don't know where you are, but I just ask that in this last song, come and see. That's the song we're singing. You guys are familiar with it. Come and see. Come and see what God is doing. Come and see how God in this place is changing hearts. He's changing lives. Come and see. Come and see. I wish you. Would, I, I really pray that you just use this song as a worship time between you and God. And just open yourselves up to God in that very vulnerable, humble, contrite place. And just allow Him to minister to you, wherever you're at. Guys, if you're in here and you're like Philip, and you're following hard and you're celebrating, I know Jesus wants to take you deeper too, but I would ask you to spend a few moments just praying in your heart that that the Nathaniels would respond. That they would see. That they would see. So wherever you're at, just respond to the Spirit of God the way God wants you to. Would you stand? Let me lead us into a word of prayer before we sing this last song and use it to as a sign, or use it as a active response Jesus thank you so much for being here thank you so much for revealing yourself to us thank you so much for your spirit drawing us teaching us things letting us see things of your spirit that we could not otherwise see I pray for the Phillips in here that you would just continue to let them rejoice and where they need to go deeper they would just be so um, so um, willing to continue to go deeper with you Father, I pray for the Nathaniels in here that where You want them to see something so much more. I pray that they would just let it go. They'd open up their minds, their hearts to You. Don't let us assume. Don't let us assume that everything's great and okay. Father, let us help us to put ourselves in the position with Your Holy Spirit to allow Your Spirit to communicate to us how things are. But help us to just see. Help us to hear more clearly and help us to see more vividly you in the work that you're doing. And we pray all this in your powerful name. Amen.